me talking about kids back in the refugee camp, I wouldn't say them living in a refugee camp is a problem. I'd say the problem comes when they have no one to say, inspire them, someone to tell them, you can do it, someone to tell them, there is hope tomorrow and stuff like that. And Hello and welcome back to Hashtag Selfie, a podcast about hardworking, passionate and stereotype shattering young people who are selflessly making a difference in their community, not just posting pictures to Instagram. I'm your host, Lucy Richardson, and on the show today is Joel Barak from Uganda. He is the recipient of the 2017 Queen's Young Leaders Award for his work in encouraging children to attend school. He grew up in a refugee camp in Uganda, and through a lot of hard work, he's now studying engineering in the United States of America. However, despite achieving great academic success, he still works closely with the children in the refugee camp to encourage them to attend school. On the show, we talk about the sports program he established and some board games he has created, which are currently being used in the primary school he attended. He is truly an inspiration and his desire to continually improve his community, even from another country, is commendable. I would start maybe uh, by the sports program back in Uganda. Mm -hmm. Really, um, I would say... I was just 14. It was in 2010, um, and I was 14. To be honest, I really didn't know much of what I was doing. Or, you know, I like you starting something, you're like, I have this vision for this, and then these are the goals I have to accomplish to be able to reach this vision. So when I was 14, 2010, um, I just realized that many people of my age, so living in the refugee camp again, I don't know if you read that one. Um, yeah. So... Uh, many people were dropping out of school, especially after finishing primary school, and it was because many of them never had say, parents who could uh, pay for them school fees to be able to uh, continue secondary education. So most of my peers of my age, 15, 16, 17, were already dropping out of school and uh, most of the time getting married. And then for me, a boy of 14 years, uh, I had always gone to school every morning and uh, things of that kind. and. Uh, Luckily enough, nothing like, say, getting married, I was really young, uh, that came to my mind. But then um, asking myself what makes me go to school every morning, because my parents also had not gone to school. But every morning I was inspired to wake up, uh, wash my feet, and then go to school. So I was like, what really inspires me? And the fact that I'm losing a couple of friends uh, just getting married and others just dropping out. I realized that uh, it was me having fun at school, I would say. Um, I really enjoyed playing football so much at school. I wasn't really a star, but me doing breakfast when other people are, say, going to eat what they had come with at school, and then maybe at lunchtime when other kids went at home. For me, playing soccer was really fun, and I realized that it's something that I looked forward to whenever I went to school to play with my peers and just have fun. So I realized that it was most kind of similar with uh, my other peers. I realized that if we say we had a uh, like sports program that would bring us together every day, perhaps many kids would be inspired. And when I tried it out, um, I began by making like handmade balls. I don't know if you've ever seen such. No, I haven't. Uh, they're handmade balls. Uh, I don't have any by now, but they are made from polythene bags and then you tie them around using some ropes and then they are really round like a ball. They won't be like the normal soccer ball, but you can use them. Most of the time, it's what we use in, uh, I would say, in Africa, especially in rural areas. So I I was good at making those, I would say. And then um, 
I made a couple. I used to go with them at school. And then later, uh, we were growing, I would say, in number. So we were like, around 17 kids who were playing these soccer balls. But then I realized that, say, if I was able to organize these kids and then we work on um, our parents' farms, they would be able to give us some small money and then we would purchase some uh, good balls. And we were able to do that. I kind of mobilized the kids and I didn't never knew what I was doing, to be honest. Uh, but then it worked out as time went on. And then we worked on people's farms uh, to get little money and then we bought good soccer balls. And every evening we would uh, meet after school and then play soccer and just engage in other conversations. And for me, I realized that it kind of motivated uh, other young people in uh, of my age to be able to be coming to school every day and stay in school. I don't know exactly how it really impacted them, but being able to divert them from that shift of, say, thinking about getting married, dropping out of school and being motivated to come to school and be able to play football and just have fun and also physical fitness, it was really important uh, to me at that age, I would say. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And so you saw that through the sports program that you started, people started going to school and there were less people dropping out. Oh yeah, um, especially people of my age. And I think most important really having fun, uh, like people who come from refugee camp sometimes, like you find that we have different struggles in the refugee camp and to just being able to uh, bring a smile on someone's face when you're already playing with other kids you find that some families even, they, we don't have enough food sometimes. People have slept hungry. So if you're able to keep these kids playing and stuff like that, it's like you are helping even uh, the families or the parents to be able to keep these kids together. And for me, that meant a lot to me, uh, being able to stay in school and just having fun, I would say. Mm, yeah, I think that's really important, just the idea of right. having fun and just bringing a mm-hmm. smile to children's faces. And it's such a yeah. simple idea, but it's obviously been very, very effective. Oh yeah, um, it's. I I just came to realize when I was like say two years down the road, and now when I see back how it was really important, and say if I was really a little mature and had understood how strong it was, and perhaps had put in much more energy than I did, it was something that was really important to the community. I would say. Mm. Mm. Cool. And so, what did you do after the program was established? Um, um, so. After the program was established, um, we kind of, I would say, just around two years, we continued doing the same thing, uh, trying to work on people's farms, getting money, and then buying uh, soccer balls that would get uh, old, and then we throw them away, and then get more balls. But then um, after there, it's kind of, I went to a high school. I was going to a high school, and as time went on, me going to uh, a secondary school, uh, it's around 80 kilometers from my refugee camp, Wow. It's kind of um, detached me from the community because I, after doing my uh, primary seven, it's like I was one of the best um, kids who had performed well in primary seven. And then my brother was really willing to uh, put all he could and take me to a good school uh, in the nearby town. So it's kind of I got detached from my community. And uh, like since I was really... I was the one who had been motivated to start this and then encourage my fellow kids. It's like we gave up somehow. And then uh, the program around 2013, 2012 kind of stopped. And then 2015, I went to school in South Africa. So 
2015, 2016, and then 2017, the sports program had totally, uh, I would say, stopped working, I would say. So after you left the sports program, just sort of st- stopped out and nobody really continued it? Oh, yeah, true. Um, but then, as I said, um, after I said I would come to the refugee camp, I, I realized that it really kept us together, kept us happy, and uh, being able to go to a good school in the nearby town, I would come back home and um, academics being something I really valued, I would try to help my uh, other fellow refugees stay with homeworks, especially those in primary school. And then I would also try to go to my uh, nearby primary school uh, that I had finished from and then try to teach the kids. I even, I even like last summer, I went back at the primary school. And something, the pattern that I realized was every time I say would be teaching these kids, they were so playful and I was like, sometimes they were annoying, I would say. Mm -hmm. Um, And something that came to my mind was always, kids really have fun when they are, I mean, learn better when they're having fun. They don't want someone who is serious and things of that kind. And then from there, something I came to learn was perhaps kids will learn more when they're having fun and uh, things of those sorts. And from there, 2015, 2016, uh, after going to LA, I realized that perhaps I would develop like educational games that would be able to help the kids. So I would say in the past two years, uh, I've just been working on educational games, if I would say. And what do these educational games sort of entail? As I would say, how can I explain this? So it's like also growing up, um, I realized that something that has really saved say, my education would be uh, me being able to perform well in class. And... From that, I was like, how can I help my fellow refugees who say their parents never went to school, they don't have enough income to be able to continue with education when they grow up? How can I help them? So I realized that say, edu- developing educational games that can help them perform well academically when they're having fun and be able to also get good grades and perhaps get scholarships to take them to good schools would really be helpful. And I've tried to make educational games that entail academics and they can be able to um, have fun when they are learning and also be able to get a good grade. So it's what I've been doing for the past uh, two years, I would say. Cool. And so can you give me an example of one of the games that you've made? Uh, one of them is called the Five Stars. Literally, that I've, I'm now trying to combine. There were four games that I was trying to create in the first year uh, when I began working on these educational games. And then I realized that I could be able to... Um, combine these four games um, into one educational game and kids will be able to play at the same time learning uh, the four subjects that are covered in primary school. So that's English, math, uh, science and social studies. I had tried to break them down, but working with the teachers that back at my school, I realized that we would be able to combine these games into one game and then the kids would be able to play at the same time uh, having fun. And so is it like a sport game or is it like Monopoly or a oh, board no. game? Uh, it's a board game, actually. I'm sorry, I had not clarified that. Oh, cool. So it's like a board right. game where they have pieces and learn science and maths through that. Yes. And would you like to see these games expand um, and sort of be available to all primary schools across Uganda? Oh, yeah. It's at the beginning... Um, my aim was to just help uh, refugee kids, but as I, like, as I talk to teachers back at the primary school, uh, most of them are from different parts of Uganda, and 
the constant told me that sometimes we think maybe refugees are the ones having really hard time accessing education and maybe having difficult time with uh, the education system. But the thing is, many kids back across the country are really having a hard time, say, engaging with... Kids also, like, run different. Some kids run through visuals. Some of them run through having mm. a teacher in front. Some run through having just things to play with and stuff like that. So I was like, perhaps many kids across the country could um, run from the game or run using games, as I had always anticipated with the refugee kids. So... When I go back home, also I'm, um, I'm planning to, uh, kind of, if I'm able, I would think I'm trying to develop or, kind of produce more games or in how can I say this? Um, quantity like many of them, the same version but many boards I would say, and yeah. then able to reach out to, um, especially the nearby town where I went to school. Um, yeah. There are also other primary schools that I've visited for a couple of times and talked with the teacher so I'm hoping that I'll be able to uh, get some uh, money and then be able to produce many games and then I can supply to this nearby town and then the refugee camp at first and then see how it goes mm. yeah that's, that's really yeah. good that's a really good um, goal to have to sort of spread right. everything mm. and and so what do you think is like the biggest challenge facing all the little kids at the refugee camp is it the just being in a refugee camp or is it, you know, not being able to go to school or have education or is it something else? Um, I really don't think being in a refugee camp is a big problem. It's it's a problem, but not a big problem if you understand me, maybe. Um, because I myself growing up in a refugee camp, I I thought life, life was just normal. Say, if I have one meal a day and then... My parents never went at school and say in the evening when I come back at school or in the morning, at some time maybe in the weekend we have to go to the farm. I thought everyone in the world lived like that and stuff like that. Not until I went to other places and they realized, oh, the refugee camp people really struggle a lot. Mm. So me talking about kids back in the refugee camp, I wouldn't say them living in a refugee camp is a problem. I would say the problem comes when they have no one to say, inspire them, someone to tell them you can do it, someone to tell them there is hope tomorrow and stuff like that and it's the biggest problem i faced because i realized that say the teachers would just come and then teach me this is this this is this and when you don't understand things and you don't know why you're doing something your parents never went to school there's no one to motivate you tonight when you're doing your homework there's no one to remind you perhaps when you've forgotten there's the homework that's the big problem they have and i think that's why for me i realized that say having games and Maybe if I can get them and be talking to these kids, would they be helpful? Because when they're able to play and have fun, and it's like they will find education fun rather than them just going to class and just running one plus one is this, or when they hit to primary seven, they are running things, but they're not having fun. I feel like having games that they can have fun, perhaps they will be able to find that education is really fun, and as time goes on, uh, one can be able to inspire them and show them a bigger picture for education and things of that kind. So I'd say having someone to inspire them or lacking some inspiration from people and their teachers is the big problem. So if somebody listening to this podcast wants to sort of mm. support children in Uganda or children who are in refugee camps, um, what yeah. is a good way that they can do that? Are there refugee organizations that they can donate to um, and sort of support the children th through a bigger organization? 
Oh yeah, um, there's this organization called Koburas. Uh, it's kind of a private primary school in the refugee camp that's actually helping uh, to provide much better education in the refugee camp because they have good teachers and kids have been able to perform really, really well in the past uh, few years that they have been operating. Uh, it's really a youth organization if you read about it. It's supporting youth so much and I've been part of it, I would say, uh, for some good time and I've worked with their primary school for some good time, especially when I go back to the refugee camp. I really try to spend much time with their teachers and uh, the primary kids. Excellent. Well, I think that's a good yeah. place that people can go to if they want to support yeah. um, you and the children that you work with. Hashtag Selfie is brought to you by Audible.com. Audible is the leading provider of spoken word and audiobooks. They have over 180,000 audiobooks and offer a 30-day free trial and a free audiobook that you can download and keep forever. Now, Audible likes me to recommend a book that you lovely listeners may enjoy. So given we are discussing the importance of education, I'm going to recommend I Am Malala. I'm sure you've all heard of Malala, but for those who have not, she grew up in Pakistan and from a young age encouraged girls to attend school. Unfortunately, because of this stance, she was shot by the Taliban, but luckily survived. Since then, she has continued to fight for girls' education and is the youngest recipient of the Nobel Peace Prize. She, like Joelle, are both examples of how young people can and will make a difference in this world. So when you go to www.audibletrial.com selfie, you can download this or any other book for free. Also, please remember that I'm going to donate all the profits from hashtag selfie to the Kivia Foundation, which works to pull families out of poverty, and then to Parkinson's Australia. So when you go to www.audibletrial.com selfie, not only do you get a free book, remember it's free and we all like free stuff, but these two great organizations get some much needed support. So everybody wins. That was Joel talking about his methods of encouraging children to attend school. If you'd like to support education in Uganda, then please check out the organization Cobras. The link will be in the show notes. I would also really appreciate it if you could please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes as it helps other people find the show and spread the word about all the great work that all of my guests are doing. You can also subscribe to my email list and follow me on all the usual social media platforms. Thank you for listening to Hashtag Selfie and tune in next time as we travel to Australia and talk with Megan about food waste and sustainability.